So uh, we are beginning this new series called uh, Tongue, the Tongue. Uh, the power of the tongue is amazing. The Bible talks about it as though it's this fire. It's unbelievably powerful. It can be super good, but it can also be used for evil. And so we're going to walk through that uh, in this series. And so uh, when so, today's called uh, Talk to Me. So what do you, how do you respond when someone says, talk to me? Or better yet, when someone says, hey, we need to talk. Hey, we need to talk. How about when your boss knocks on your door and goes, hey, we need to talk? Like, that could go either way, right? Depending on how well things are going, it might be, hey, you want to give you some good news? Or um, it, may, it may not be good at all. But there's one thing that's, that's absolutely true. The chances that your boss says, we need to talk, and then he sits down with you and goes, okay, I just want to listen to you. I just want to listen to what you have to say, and I want to know you. I want to find out who you are. Chances are not, not, not too high. So in your marriage, how's it go? How's it go when one of you says, hey, we need to talk? Or we need to talk about the budget. We need to talk about your schedule. Usually, do you have that, do you have that feeling that they're going to go, yes, I wanted to talk to you because I just need to know from you and about you. I want to know how you're feeling about this and where you are on this. Almost always, we expect that they're going to talk to us, not to listen to us. How about if you're a teenager? Yeah, what's it like for you? And mom or dad goes, hey, we need to talk. Or worse yet, mom goes, dad's going to talk to you when you get home. What do you think that talk's going to be like? Right? Is it going to be a listening or is it going to be, no, they're going to be talking. And so we're going to start with, that's where we usually, when we think about talking, we don't, we usually think I want someone to listen to me or I want to be heard. And so we're going to jump in there with this listen to me idea and uh, see if your conversations go a little bit like this. They usually start off with a conversation and we do want people to talk to us. It's not very long before we end up here, which is I can't hear you until you hear me. You communicate to each other, I can't hear you until you hear me. I need you to hear me. You're not hearing me. You need to, I want you to listen to me. We curse talking to be able to do that. <clears throat> but in some form or fashion, we're communicating. I, I, I can't, I can't hear you if you don't hear what I have to say. And that makes perfect sense to us. And so what do we do? We get louder. Because if you want someone to hear you, what do you do? You yell at them, right? You get louder. You get more, and some of you are a little trickier. Some of you get softer, but it's really a yell. Some of you have a soft yell. Like you're getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you, if somebody's measuring your decibels, it's true. It's getting quieter, but you are screaming at them. And they know it. In that relationship, they know that's happening, and so we, then we use sarcasm. Some of you have uh, inappropriate laughter. And so you're like, <laughs> to knock off that annoying laugh. Because you, you actually do it to communicate, you're not listening to me. I want, and I'm not going to listen to you until you listen to me. And as that conversation goes on for a while, it's not very long before we enter into the, I can't believe what I'm hearing. I cannot believe that you said that. I can't believe that's what you think. I can't believe that's what you feel. I can't believe it. So the whole time that we're yelling, we're trying to communicate to them, but not, we're not really listening, something does get through. 
But what gets through offends us. It hurts us. It, sometimes you just can't believe how ridiculous what it is that they're saying is. What? And so then we say back to them what they've said. It's as if you have a broken translator. You just said, and you take a piece of their sentence, or you take one sentence out of a paragraph. You just said this, and it means that. And now you, you're talking back to them. You're no longer trying to tell them what you want to say. You're now telling them what they said to you, to which they're saying, I never said that. No, 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 I, I, I never said that. Because now you're at the, now I will tell you what you are saying. I'm going to translate it for you. I'm going to tell you exactly what you're saying. And we find ourselves in those relationships, in those conversations. Now we're full, we're full on. Man, we're, we're full of energy. We're, we're, um, we're amped up. We're full of adrenaline. And we are going to tell them exactly what they've been trying to say to us. And now we know their motives. We know their minds. We can read their minds. We can read their hearts. We know everything about them because we're telling them what those words meant. Now, have you ever been in this place and the other person says, okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. That, that, that didn't come out right. That did not come out right. I, I did not. I may have said those words. That's not what I'm trying to say. Yes, it is. It is what you're trying to say. And now the whole argument is no longer about where you started. It's not about where the lost keys are. It's not about driving too fast. It's not about, please stop telling me where to go. I know where to go. Would you shut off the GPS? I know where to go. It's not about any of those things. It's now the fight is totally about you telling them what they said and what they meant. And of course... It kind of comes to this place. This has now become a life or death issue. And the only solution that I can see is your death. In other words, you have to be destroyed. And although it is funny and meant to be funny, when you're in one of these fights, when you get to the end of this fight, you have these fights where some of you as couples are like, okay, that's it. You start using the D word. You start talking about divorce. What is divorce? It's, this is a life or death issue. And the only solution I can see is your death. I don't want to actually literally kill you, but I want you dead to me. Some of you have had these relationships, you've had these conversations with your children. And you got so mad, so upset, that you really, you want, you're willing to say or do anything. You will hurt them so badly. It's like death. And it makes sense to us when we get there. What we say makes sense to us. We even have these conversations, and then we go talk to somebody else about the conversation. And when we explain the conversation, we think we're right the whole time. And we tell our friends, see, see this is why they're dead to me. Or whatever way that you put it. So let's try this conversation again. Let's, let's try it a different way. Let's try that again with God's word as our guide. 
with God's word as our guide. The Bible says in James chapter 1, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Love the phraseology because listening to almost all human beings is a passive experience. I'm sitting there listening. But the Bible makes it a very aggressive experience. I'm going to be quick. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be quick in the way I listen. And there's two things they talk about. One is uh, be curious. You can't really know the answer and be curious. Be curious about who this person is. Be curious about the answer to this issue. And maybe there's more than one side to this issue. Maybe there's multiple sides to this issue. And I don't know what those are. Maybe even though the way I've done it for five years has really worked for me, maybe there really is a better way to do it than the way I do it. Maybe there's just another way to do it. Maybe there's another way to do it that's not as good as the way I do it. But I'm curious. I want to know what that is. I'm curious about your perspective. I'm curious about you and how you respond to these kinds of things. I want to know you Mom and dad, I want to talk to you first at this point. Because it's pretty common to meet mom and dads who have teenagers or junior hires. And they're like, yeah, this is my child. Uh, no, I, yeah, no one knows him better than I do. I know this child better than anybody. I mean, they're my child. I'm their mom. I'm their dad. So I'll, I'll grant it. It's true. It's true. You birthed a child. Dad, you were there. All right? Granted, you changed their diapers. You taught them how to eat. You have been around them for hours and hours and hours. You do not know them. You don't know them. I've lived with Lori for 40 years. I'm still finding out new things about her. Not only that, are you the same person you were six months ago? Are you the same person you were a year ago? Well, you might be, your child's not. They are not just growing physically. They're growing emotionally and spiritually. They're changing. They're having experiences that have come into their life you don't know anything about. And if you don't become curious, if you're not always curious about it, you'll never know because when you listen to them, you'll think you've heard the same thing you've heard before and you'll just put them in that box. You'll never get to know them. And you will be the person you never want to be it's the parent who everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she thinks she knows him. He thinks she knows him. Just leave him be. Everybody knows you don't know him. But you, because you're not curious, because you think you already know the answer. This is doubly two in your relationships. Husbands and wives, you don't know each other. I know why she does that. I know what they're going to do next. I know what they're going to say next. I know what... That doesn't mean you know them. Be curious. The second is ask questions, not to prove a point or lay a trap. Many of you are like, what do you mean prove a point or lay a trap? You probably do this so much you don't even know what it is. This may be your entire way of communicating. Whenever someone says to me, hey, can I ask you a question? I'm like, no. Why? That's a trap. I, I don't know what the question is, but you're gonna, this is a trap. I'm gonna, can I ask you a question? Yep, I answer the question. Can I ask you another question? Yep. Can I ask you another question? 
They got me circled. You said, whoa, time out, right? When we are going to listen, when we ask questions, it's because we don't know. And consistently, consistently ask questions. You will learn the most about somebody when you ask a question that you think you already know the answer to. But you ask it anyway and you say, wait, I'm not going to trust what I think. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to ask. You think you know the answer to the question. It's when you ask that question, wow, it can really open up to you. So first is listen quick. Secondly, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. This passage it changed my life. Um, if you've been around me very long, if you're new to me, you have not heard this, but um, I've, I've yet to meet anyone who has a temper like I had growing up. It was, it was out of control. It was on fire. I was in trouble all the time, but I thought I was right. The reason I got so mad was because people would do me wrong, and I would try, and I was doing what was right. I was going to produce what was right. God says, even if you're right, your anger is not going to produce God's righteousness. In other words, even if I'm 100% right, if, if the reason I'm doing it is 100% right, if I'm doing it out of my anger, it will never get me where God wants me to be. Whoa. What, what's this anger thing that happens in relationships? Angry. Drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. You're in, you're in the conversation. They say something. I don't you. No. No, slow down. Slow down. Misinformed. We are experiencing misinformation on a grand scale. Um, it may have been this way and about different issues, but wow, are we experiencing it right now. With this COVID, we could bring up five different people right here and ask them a question. They would have very strong opinions about certain issues of COVID, and they'd all be different. Worse than that, we have experts who are on TV making, I mean, they, they talk like they know what they're talking about. And then two minutes later, a different expert comes on and says something totally opposite of what that person just said. And then four days later, this expert says the opposite of what he said four days ago. You're like, whoa, what's going on? It's sharing your opinion. Anger is when you think you know the answer you're misinformed, but you just keep talking like you know what you're talking about. Relationally destructive conclusions. I know their motives. I know they're trying to hurt me. I have to go defensive. Being right does not give you the rights your tongue says it does. I'm going to read that again. I love that line. Being right does not give you the rights your tongue says it does. I'm right. I'm right. When you tell the story to somebody else, the whole time you're like, well, this was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. But I was right. You know what you're saying? I have a right to be mean and evil because I was right. 
You see, every, everything everyone does makes sense to them. Everything everyone does makes sense to them. Like, no, they, it's ridiculous. What they, they shouldn't be doing What? No. No, no, it makes sense to them. You can't listen if you don't understand this. What they're doing makes sense to them. Even though it's totally false. There's a huge myth that messed up my life. Now, some of you are old enough to remember this. Some of you may be young enough you never heard this. But when I was growing up as a little kid, they used to tell us, you can't go swimming for 30 minutes till for 30 minutes after you eat. I got, I got spankings. I spent whole afternoon sitting in a chair because I jumped in the water too soon because I didn't believe the myth. I didn't even care about the myth. I, know, I wanted to go swimming. It's not true. It's totally false. Did you know that gum does not stay in your stomach for seven years? That's a myth. It's not true. Stop telling your children that. It's not true. But when we believe it, it makes perfect sense to us, even though it's totally false. Everything everyone says makes sense to them. Hey, Mr. Art Guy, what do you think about this one? Well, the green reminds me of the great coral reef that day after day, year after year, no decade after decade, gets pushed and pulled and yet it stays in place by some unmovable force, much like you hold me in place. And the rising of the flower reminds me of the great phoenix which rose out of the ashes, just like you brought me back to life with your love never to die again. This painting. We need to buy this painting. Place it over our mantle. But... Don't speak. You had been, hey, Mr. Art Guy. I was talking to my husband. Hey. Too deep, too soon. And lastly, everything... Everyone believes makes sense to them. That's really what we talked about before in terms of the myths. But oftentimes we, we don't listen because we really think they couldn't possibly believe that, right? They couldn't possibly. Why would they say that? Why would they do that? But everything you do and say, it makes sense to you. Then it says this. So... So how do we do this? How do we interact with this? So these are good ideas. And you could take them home, and as long as you're having nice, safe conversations, you can practice them. Right? You could even get out your notes. Let's have a conversation, get out your notes, and follow them, and go like, okay, I'm listening. Wow, that makes no sense to me, but I'm curious. I'm going to continue to listen. That seemed a bit hurtful, but that's okay. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to ask questions, and I'm going to be curious, and I'm going to understand. Wait, I'm going to get to know them. And what they're saying makes sense to them. That I'm going to do that. But how do you do this for the tough conversations? How do you do this when your defense is already up? 
How do you do this when you've already had this conversation three other times? It did not go well. How do you do this when the person who wants to have the conversation is already in a huff? They're coming in attacking, aggressive. Because in those moments, doesn't all this stuff we're talking about just kind of disappear? And you go back to what is your natural stance, which is, no, 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 you need to hear me before I'm going to hear you. How do you do this? He says a little bit about it here. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that, so, that is so prevalent. You see, that thing inside of you that says, you're going to listen to me before I listen to you, comes from a me-centered life. It comes from a defensive life. It comes from a place that says, I have to defend myself because no one else will. Well, that doesn't sound so bad, does it? It's actually moral filth and evil. That, that thing where you get to the place where you're like, I'm willing to talk about the D word now, that is evil. It's hugely destructive. That place where you raise your voice and now words that are coming out of your mouth, you would never say in church. You'd never say them in front of your boss, but you're screaming them at your children. Moral filth and evil. There's a, I don't know why, I'm, I don't know specifically why I'm asking these, these two questions other than it just hit me this week. I, I need to ask these two questions. One is, what do you listen to? What's the music that you listen to? When I was growing up, it was the 60s going into the 70s, and so it was when the first rock music was really hitting, and they used to have these big things about if you listen to rock music, you're going to turn into X. And so we went through that, and like, I don't think I turned into X, right? But then I began to kind of look back at how it impacted my life and the way I thought of certain issues. The evil that I was open to now, the moral filth that I would put up with, even in my own life. So I wonder you, with you, does the music you listen to set you up that when the tough conversations come, you're going to have purity and strength to be able to to do it well and listen? Or does it set you up to be selfish and harsh and cold? How about the entertainment, the stuff you watch, the movies you take in? How does that impact you when you hit this place? Because if you're constantly taking in moral filth and evil, it's going to show up when it comes time to listen. And when you've filled yourself with that stuff, you don't listen. You attack. It says, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. What's this humbly accept the word planted in you stuff? Well, I'm going to do a little Skyline advertisement. This is what Skyline teaches you to do. This is the foundation of what Skyline teaches you to do. 
Of all the things Skyline does, there's some things we do well and some things we don't do well. We do this really well. Because to humbly accept the word planted in you is to build your life on grace. Because when you become a believer, Jesus Christ, he, his spirit comes and lives within you. And his word comes and lives within you. When you learn the Bible, you learn what God has to say, and that is in you. And so you have this decision, am I going to go the moral filth way or the evil, am I going to go the moral filth and evil way, or am I going to accept what God says is true? Which way am I going to go? Am I going to build my life on what the world says and my entertainment says and my friends say, or am I going to build my life on what Jesus says? And this is what Jesus says. If you're a believer, this is what Jesus says. When it comes time to have that argument, when it comes time to have that fight, when it comes time like, oh, no, I don't want to have this conversation, and you go in defensive, what Jesus says is, you belong to him, and he belongs to you, that he's with you, that he will defend you. There is no conversation you ever have where you have to defend yourself. He will defend you. He's with you. Now, what that means is you never have a one-on-one -on -one conversation anymore. You only have three-way conversations. There's you, the person you're talking to, and there's Jesus because he's always with you. When you humbly accept that to be true, it's amazing what happens. Have you ever noticed how you change if there's somebody else walks in the room? How you can be yelling at somebody, having a full-on conversation, somebody else walking in the room, and you're like, hey, how you doing? And then you talk to the person across from you differently. Why? Because you, you got a chance to step back. Well, he's with you. The second thing he says is that he has made you righteous. He's taken his righteousness and he's put it inside of you by grace. So when you face these situations and you say, who am I? Who am I in this situation? Well, I'm a tough guy. Well, I'm a teenager. This is how teenagers act. I'm, a, I'm the boss. I'm the wife. I'm the... No, no, no. Who are you? I'm righteous. And I want exactly what Jesus wants. In this conversation, I don't need to defend myself. Well, then what do I want out of this conversation? I want them to listen to me. I don't need them to listen to me. I want what Jesus wants. And what Jesus wants is for me to listen to them. That's what he wants. Then he says that you are his servant. You're his hands and feet. Have you ever said, why, don't, why doesn't God do something for that person? Yeah, that's you. And in those conversations, he wants you to minister to the other person. He wants you to bring what God says is true to the other person so it's good for them. He wants you to speak kind, gracious, powerful, truthful words after you've listened that fit what they need because you're there to serve them. That's who you are. And lastly, he says, you are my witness. You're there to show other people who I am. So when I go into this tough conversation, what am I there for? I'm there so that person can see what Jesus is really like. Jesus listens. 
And then Jesus speaks the truth, but when Jesus speaks the truth, he speaks the truth because it's what's best for the other person not to defend himself. Do you know that story? Do you know the story how Pilate came to him and said, why don't you defend yourself? He says nothing. Because he trusted God the Father to defend him. Now he says to you, you don't have to defend yourself. I will defend you. We have these three simple questions. And, and when you walk into this situation, you have these three sim- simple questions. Jesus, who do you say that I am? And the answer is, you're forgiven. You belong to him. You're righteous. You want exactly what he wants. You're his servant. The purpose of your life is to serve other people for Christ. And you're his witness. You're there so that people can see who Jesus is really like. That's why you're in the conversation. That's how you do the tough. That's how you listen in a tough situation. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Practice this. Never have a conversation passively. Always be very aggressive, but be very aggressive in listening, in caring. And then you can be effective in speaking. The last line, don't settle for being right. Love them right. Don't settle for being right. Love them right. So much of our life, if we can convince ourselves we're right, it will justify us doing a lot of hurtful things. God's just turned this upside down. No, 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 no. Maybe I am right, but I know one thing's for sure. The reason I'm here is to love them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I love this. I love this truth. I love the fact that I get to practice this day in and day out. I love what it's done in my own life, how it's changed me from an angry, hurtful, mean son of a gun to someone who can now listen to his wife, who's still getting to know her after all these years. And so, Lord, I want to pray for, it, for everybody in our, our audience who who doesn't know you yet. This is what you're inviting them into. You're inviting them into a power that that would allow them to have tough conversations and really love people in those conversations. And for those who are believers, Lord, I challenge them to have this conversation with Christ. For them to, when we sing this next worship song and For them to, in that song, hear you. Would they dare to even listen to you? Not talk to you. Listen to you. Listen to you say, they are forgiven. They belong to you. They are righteous. They want to do exactly what you want. They are your servant, the purpose of their life. In these conversations, is to serve, to care for, to be your hands and eyes and mouth and ears 
to someone else. Lord, with... Or the audience, I, I, I challenge you to listen to him say to you, yours witness. You literally have come and lived inside of them and, and you want to you love these other people. You want to show them who you are. And, and so you've given that job, you've given that purpose, you've given that mission to each of us. Then, after you've heard that, would you dare to say, yes, Jesus, I, that is who I am. By grace, that is who I am. I accept what you say is true. I humbly accept the word planted in me by you. And this week, that's how I'm going to have conversations. In your name we pray. Amen.